hey, thank God this isn't a live show. This I know. It's really imagine? a bummer. Oh, man. If it was a live show, I would have been like, bro, bro, back, back up. Today is May 27th, 2020, and you are listening to episode 11 of Simply Speaking. This episode is a bit of a bummer. We kind of got a little bit off track. It's entirely my fault. Uh, I take full responsibility. I kind of dragged us down in a very negative direction, and I think we ended up in a place that was very dark at some points. But I actually, after a lot of internal debate, after recording this episode, decided to leave it relatively intact. I trimmed out a bit that was just kind of repetitive and and that sort of thing. But I guess bottom line is we want this this podcast, I should say, to be a lot of not just our giving opinions, but asking questions that we don't necessarily have the answers to. And um, hopefully, at least, it, if nothing else, you get a little bit of that from this this episode. Again, apologies for it being a little bit of a depressing episode, and um, we're going to try not to be so negative in the future, but I think ultimately we we asked some questions that we weren't able to answer, and hopefully it sparks some internal debate for the audience. And with that, enjoy the show. Welcome to Simply Speaking. I'm Conrad. And I'm John. And off air the other day, you and I were talking a little bit about our our past weekend and some of the experiences we had. So being in this kind of lockdown situation, you're in Massachusetts, I'm in New Hampshire. I think we've had a little bit of a different experience, uh, to say the least. But you actually went out of state this last weekend. What did you do? I did. Um, I went out of state. Uh, I went. I went to Maine. Um, my sister actually got married. Um, it was supposed to be a bit of a bigger wedding. Um, wound up just being a small family affair. She got married on a covered bridge. So it was um, a real quaint ceremony there. But uh, one thing that shocked me, and you know, I was up in. Uh, you know, I guess northern Maine. Um, I, I think geographically it's probably middle Maine, but once you get in Maine past a certain point, everything's northern Maine. Um, but one of the things that really struck me was the lack of coronavirus protection, or, or the just the the apathy that most people had. Um, not wearing masks, um, not social distancing. There's a brewery up there that I visited that um, just to pick up beer. But they were also, you know, had a restaurant attached and were, you know, seating people with no, um, you know, no real regard for social distancing. It was um, it was really quite interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I, I sorry. I had nothing to add to that other than I've really been paying attention to what's going on in Maine. Um, I've been paying a little bit more attention to what's going on in New Hampshire. But um, do you know anything about the the executive orders for Maine? Are they different uh, um, in, in a lot of ways from some of the other New England states? So what I do know is that Maine started off opening 
before the rest of New England, and they started with their their four southern counties. And uh, what I can tell you is that, you know, they're not they're not really um, the pressure from business was great there. Um, there was a lot of uh, threats of lawsuits from various uh, restauranteurs. And in fact, uh, um, I can tell you that the, the brewery that I was at actually was one of the ones that threatened to sue the governor if they didn't open the state. So it's been, um, you know, it, it's been similar to what you see in the Midwest with, you know, the shutdowns ending early under threats of lawsuits or, or various things happening. But um, I don't know too much about it either. All I know is I was shocked that people weren't wearing masks. Um, there were some private businesses that I went to, such as I did find a craft beer store. And that guy, you know, it's really interesting. It's a craft beer store on one half with a uh, legalized marijuana shop on the other half. And, you know, I don't know. I'm not trying to throw out the, the, the paranoid word here. Um, but they were, uh, they, they seem to be more taking more precautions than anywhere else. Um, for instance, they would only allow one person in the craft beer store at a time and everybody had to wear a mask. And as soon as you came in, you had to use hand sanitizer, but that was literally the only store up there that, um, really seemed to care. Gas stations, restaurants, you know, nowhere else. Uh, literally nobody was wearing a mask. Um, nobody was taking much precaution. You know, I think it's interesting for for those who aren't from the New England area or aren't familiar with New England. Um, it's New England, I would say, by and large, the the states of Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island are very liberal or, or left leaning states politically. Um, and then you have the states of New Hampshire, Maine, and Vermont, which are a little bit more of a mixed bag. I mean, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't call any of those states conservative necessarily, but they're a little bit uh, of a different animal culturally. And I think it's interesting. So you're in Massachusetts right now. I haven't really been to Mass except once, I think a couple weeks ago to visit my parents in Chelmsford, which is um, not too far from the border. Do you, do you think there's a big cultural divide between the... the the way in which people deal with being told what to do in, in, you know, maybe between those two states. I do. Um, and I know people are trying to make this into a political thing like left versus right again, or blue versus red. I think it runs a little deeper than that. I honestly feel like, um, I, I feel like, there's a lot of people that are resistant to authority. Um, and uh, it's kind of like, uh, if you think about it uh, on a broader scale, it's similar to when and you're, uh, talking, you know, you're talking about Maine, right? As opposed to, to well, Maine. I'm talking about Maine. I'm talking about every state, but it, oh, okay. it's, it's kind of like when you, when you tell a, a two-year-old child, Hey, see that big red button over there that says, press me. Don't press me. Don't, don't press that button. Um, I, I feel like it's it's akin to that. Like, you know, if you tell somebody not to do something, that's all they're going to want to think about and all they're going to want to do, right? Mm-hmm. So, hey, social distance, wear a mask, do all this. Well, you know, the rebel in me doesn't want to do that. Right. But I see, a, 
and I'm with you. I think there's um, it's not necessarily 100 percent of a political issue. Obviously, the whole idea of wearing masks. I mean, everyone has the, the freedom to to choose what is best for them. And um, do they though? I, I, well, I, I I think they do. Uh, but I don't. I mean. <laughs> I, I certainly think that I hope that's the case, uh, but regardless, I mean, the idea, I think there is um, some politicization of the mask issue. I mean, I think I'm with you when, when, when someone um, in authority issues a mandate that citizens must comply with, I think it, it by default does make it somewhat of a political issue, right? So um, right. here in New Hampshire, there's, uh, with the exception of the city of Nashua, uh, there's no mandate in law that um, customers have to wear masks or people have to wear masks in public or, or customers and businesses, that sort of thing. Um, it's different for uh, employees, depending on what the business is. I know restaurants, I think their employees are mandated to wear masks, that sort of thing. But um, by and large, legally speaking, you can you can go around the state and not wear a mask pretty much any business that's open to public and you're, you're compliant with the law or executive orders. I understand that executive orders are, are not law per se, but um, I mean, de facto, they kind of are. So um, I would say that in my experience so far, it's kind of 50, 50. I live in Southern Hampshire, which probably swings um, a little bit more, status for lack of a better word i think if you go to northern or even central new hampshire i think um culturally it's a little bit different but um i will say that i think the sense i get is that a lot of people at this point are doing it either um some are obviously doing it to comply or because they think they should regardless and again this is not i, I don't want to get into the merits of wearing a mask versus not wearing a mask right i mean that we could have that discussion all day long but um i think there's a, a a lot of people who see the idea of the government telling them to wear masks and they say well i'm not going to do it now um right. they don't like the idea of being told what to do and i do think it that <laughs> it, it it is very symbolic um and i feel this way a little bit myself that um i i think the idea that someone in, who, who wants to claim authority over me wants to tell me what to do with my body, it does make me feel like by putting on a mask, maybe I'm giving in a little bit, even if it were, um, let's say the best decision for myself or, or whatnot. Now I'll, I'll always respect private businesses or private um, property. And, and if I go to a business and they ask me to put my mask on, I'll, I'll put the mask on all day long. But um, I, I think there is kind of a bit of that sentiment from what I'm seeing and just from talking to some others, um, where I am here. So even if all the medical evidence says, Hey, wearing a mask, I, I know you don't want to get too much into the merits here, but I, I think the hard time I have a problem, like what I really have a problem with myself personally is people that are way more qualified to speak about this than me are saying that wearing a mask is effective at least somewhat. Right. Then I have the part of me that's like, well, don't tell me what to do. And I'm trying to like balance those out in my head. And it's like mm -hmm. a constant conflict. You know what I mean? Between the, hey, let's do the right thing here, John, versus the, 
hey, don't tell me what to do, you know? Does that make sense? It does. I think the mask issue in a lot of ways is very similar um, to what happened a few years back with the Colin Kaepernick um, situation in the NFL, the whole kneeling for the for the national anthem, sure. uh, anthem insofar as it kind of became um, kneeling, the idea of kneeling for national anthem became a protest of, I guess, as police brutality, but it kind of got wrapped up in um, sort of like a race relation thing where um, the idea is that police are racist or society is racist or whatever. Like there was a lot of mixed messaging there. Um, and I think there's a lot of similar aspects going on right now with the, the idea of wearing masks where um, a lot of people I think um, aren't going to wear it as a, a form of protest, if you will, and in, in, in saying, listen, I'm not going to give in. Um, I mean, I think, I think, and I'm, I'm happy that we, in, in a lot of ways that we live in a country where we still have some semblance of individualism, but um, I, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of that going on. I, I think it's, it's certainly become a symbol now. The mask is um, easily recognized and, and you can tell right away if you see someone wearing a mask, I think you might make assumptions about that person and their belief, um, perhaps, uh, given the, given. You know, what assumptions would you make? Well, I, I all right. So you know, I like at the co- the end of that sentence, I had a caveat at given given the situation, right? So, um, you know, if you're in your workplace and your employer requires you to mask, of course, uh, to, to wear a mask, that is, um, of course, you're probably going to wear the mask. But I think um, to a degree, I, I I think you can. This is just anecdotally, but walking around stores, I the people who I see who are not wearing a mask tend to be um, either wearing clothing or um, or some sort of paraphernalia that might associate them with either um, the right or being Republican or um, being somehow anti-authoritarian. I think there's there's some element of that. And I'm, I'm obviously painting with a very broad brush. Yeah, you're kind of making assumptions here. Where, where's this oh, going? Exactly. Yeah, and, and I'm probably butchering my point here, but I think, um, I guess the point I'm, I'm trying to make is I think it has become politicized to a degree. Um, and it's it's kind of a, a silly thing. It, it, it seems very silly, like just wearing a mask. I mean, I think before all of this happened, before this year, if someone was wearing a mask, I mean, you would just associate that person with being concerned with their health for, for one reason or another. But now um, it all becomes a question of where does this person stand? Is this, is this person doing this because they feel they ought to medically or maybe they should medically? Or is this person doing this to comply? Or is this person doing this just to fit in? Or is this person not wearing a mask out of um, some sort of um, disregard or protest uh, of the government or, or or being told what to do. I mean, I, I think it, it it's become an interesting thing to observe. And I, I don't know that I've fully figured it out yet. Um, but I do see well, certainly in, in, in some cases that I think, you know, I, I think if, if that was your only indicator about someone, if you knew nothing else, and if, if they're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask in a, some sort of public place, uh, or outside, or or whatever. I even see people wearing them in their car. I mean, certainly, 
Um, I think it's, it's interesting to see. And I, I, I just, I, I'm not making a judgment on this right now. I just am curious. No, but you're making a lot of assumptions, forward. man. Well, that's, that's the point. I guess, I guess. That's and the and point. you don't I know, like people it. could have had family members that, you know, they, they might be wearing a mask because they, you know, they, they may not necessarily be anti-authoritarian or, or what have you. They might have um, high-risk individuals at home. Like, there's a number of reasons why somebody might or might not want to wear a mask other than just A or B. Right. You're, you're 100% right. I hope uh, if I haven't made it clear um, to this point that, that I'm not saying that I, I think that someone – 100% believes something based on they're wearing a mask. But I, I do think it's interesting that I think there is probably a, a small percentage of people, um, but perhaps a growing percentage of people um, who are choosing to wear or not wear a mask based on um, primarily some sort of ideology or um, symbology versus the practical aspects of wearing or not wearing a mask. I'll do you one better than than your analogy. I think that the math situation is analogous to the seatbelt debate from when we were kids. Sure. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Well, yeah. So um, when I was a kid, the the age, um, you know, now seatbelts are mandatory across the entire con- country, except for New Hampshire, if you're over 18. Um, when I was a kid, the age to wear a seatbelt in New Hampshire was 12, and the age to wear a seatbelt in Massachusetts was 13. And then, uh, you know, of course, as soon as I turned 13 in Mass, uh, they raised the age to 18, and then uh, to everybody all the time. So um, it was one of those issues where, yeah, they have studied seatbelts save lives. Of course they do, but it's a personal choice to wear one or not wear one. Um, so I feel like the mass debate is similar is is kind of uh analogous to that like yes you might die because you're not wearing a seatbelt, but you also might not die uh because you might not get in an accident or maybe the accident that you're in you know the the number of times that the average driver has a seatbelt save their life is minimal right um, mm-hmm. whereas same thing with a mask, like a, a mask, if you're the only one wearing a mask in a room full of crowded people, uh, and somebody else has it, guess what? You're going to get it. Your eyeballs are still open, right? If you're the only one not wearing a mask in a room full of people wearing a mask, everybody else is wearing a mask, then, then you're just kind of a jerk, right? Like, Hey, look at me. I'm better than you. I'm not wearing one. Um, right. or at least that's my opinion, but I, I feel like the, the seatbelt debate, is more analogous because you can drive a car and not get killed because you're not wearing a seatbelt. You can um, walk around in public without wearing a mask and not get COVID because you're not, you know, not necessarily exposed to it. I, I just feel like there's a lot more similarities there. I'm, I, I'm not, uh, does that make sense? No, actually that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I didn't grow up in Massachusetts, so I wasn't really familiar with, um, with, with that situation that maybe as much as you are but it, i see a lot of parallels in what you're saying um from your experience and kind of what we're going through right now you must remember it's... when new hampshire because my my parents always had a summer house in new hampshire and i remember new hampshire went to 18 plus for seat belts the year i turned 12 and i was like damn it and then mass went to everybody all the time when i turned 13 you don't remember that at all you know it may have been that 
um, growing up, I just always, I mean, my parents always instilled in me that I'm, I'm going to wear a seatbelt. Oh, mine did too. Not a question my family. So maybe at, at that age, I mean, I was probably, I think I'm like a year or so younger than you. I, I must have been like 11 or so. I probably just wasn't paying attention to, you know, the, the legislation. Couldn't read the giant highway signs? Yeah, probably not. I don't know. Maybe not from the back seat. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um. Well, I, th- I think that's that's very interesting. Again, I, I'm not trying to I want to make it clear that I'm trying I'm not trying to equivocate um, in any way that if someone's wearing masks that somehow they're a uh, um, subject of the state and they're just uh, a sheep or, or whatever. I'm not saying anything like that. Uh, but I just think it's an interesting thing to observe. Um, and and I, I wonder, I don't know the answer to this, but I wonder how much of that is um, kind of reaction to um, you tell me to do something, I'm just not going to do it just for this, because you told me to do it versus... Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And, and that's kind of where I fall about the mask issue is I'll be sitting here like, well, I don't want to wear one, jerk. Another thing that I've kind of been thinking about a lot this, this last week, um, not just this last week, but in general, is... The idea that um, I think people in assisted living homes, this, at least in the states that um, aren't as significantly affected. So it's my understanding, and um, I don't have the statistics, but it's my understanding that states like New York, um, Michigan, um, I think Massachusetts, although I, I guess I don't know the numbers for Mass, but um, there, there's obviously across the country right now, there's different levels of um, infection rates and death rates and that sort of thing. And um, I, I think it's interesting that, so New Hampshire is one of the states that's been relatively um, not unimpacted, but it's, it's certainly not impacted to a degree of like New York City um, in terms of the, the, the death rates and that sort of thing. But what we're seeing, um, I, I see the daily updates from the state in terms of new infections and deaths from, from COVID-19. And a lot of them are coming from assisted living facilities, um, at least here. I, I think that's the case in a lot of um, the states that aren't as, as bad off, if you will, um, where a, an overwhelming percentage um, of the, the deaths are occurring in assisted living. So the, the reason I bring this up is it gave me a lot of pause. Um, I've always felt um, in, in a little bit of history on me is I used to work in a hospital setting, not as a healthcare provider, but um, at where there was a, a senior adult mental health unit, basically a place where people with Alzheimer's or uh, who are senile or in the end, by and large, in the end stages of their life and, and the kind of lacking mental clarity would, would be put. So it wasn't exactly an assisted living facility, but it was very similar in a lot of ways. And there was a lot of parallels. And I remember the time my experience working in that setting uh, or dealing with some of those patients and seeing some of the things I saw was that I never, for myself, e- even if I get to that point where mentally I, I'm, I'm, I'm there, I never want to be in that setting uh, because of the loss of, I think there's complete loss of dignity um, in, in I mean, medically, so basically you're medically keeping these people alive, but they have no dignity. Um, and especially now, I mean, it, can you imagine being uh, someone who's in the end stages of their life? You have 
months or maybe a year or two to live. You're completely dependent on people to feed you and take care of you. Um, and then it, over the last few months, being told that not only like you're dying, you're on your way out, and now you can't even see your family. You can't see your loved ones. Um, and it just strikes me that there's so many people in that situation right now um, going through that. And what an awful experience that must be, um, both for the people who are the, the, the people in the assisted living who are living there and on their way out, as well as their family members. Um, and this, I don't really have a question there. This is just something that's been on my mind and um, it's just really um, been bothering me a lot lately. And Well, like, um, but what do you propose to do about it? Well, I guess it, this is uh, largely, this is uh, nothing I propose for, for anyone to do or, or not do. Um, but it's certainly something that I, I think it's interesting to consider is um, we're all mortal, right? So what do you want the end of your life to be? And I mean, I certainly looking at it right now, I, I'm not, you know, knock on wood um, about to experience that situation, but um, I certainly can't imagine desiring to be in that situation if I am on my way out. And I'm curious, um, you know, maybe I, I don't know if you want to share your thoughts on this. I realized I got went kind of dark here. I didn't really mean to, but yeah, um, I mean, where where are you going? <laughs> yeah, sorry to bring the show down, uh, but no, I guess I, I'm just sharing some thoughts that are on my mind. I don't really, I'm not proposing anything. This is not a political issue or, or anything like that. But um, it's just it, it seems like such a tragedy that um, I mean. For me, I can certainly say that if I only had a few months left to live anyways, um, I wouldn't want to be living it locked in a room, not seeing my loved ones, family, friends, that sort of thing. Like, uh, I, I feel like so, that's, that's an awful way to exist. So what would you do um, if you were in that situation? Off yourself? Like, wh what are you saying? No, that's, uh, I guess, I, I, uh, I don't have a great solution other than um, I, told, you know, I told my wife that uh, I just want to be put out in the woods, give me a, a buoy knife and um, the clothes on my back and just airdrop me into Alaska and let me live out my days that way. And I feel like, uh, yeah, I don't have a great answer. I, you know, this is again, something I've just been thinking a lot about. Just give, I think the people who are probably suffering the most in many ways are these people. Um, because they've lived a life and they've presumably, like most of us, struggled and um, had um, up times and down times and they've experienced a lot in their life. Yeah. And I just feel like, you know, if, if you're telling someone's life story, it just seems like the idea of that being the end is not one that I think many people would hope for. So, well, yeah, um, who like the said, hell is hoping not... for that to happen? Right, exactly. But I'm but just it, saying, it's... like, if you're t talking about your own mortality, guess what, guy? It's coming. You're going to get there. So what exactly are you proposing here? Like, I, I don't. Well, it, I guess I, I don't. I'm not proposing anything. I hope I've made that abundantly clear. I'm, I'm not. This isn't a statement or or anything, but I just think it's something interesting to consider. Um, I think it kind of goes back to something maybe we talked about a couple episodes ago where yeah. um, we were discussing what is um, 
what is living or what is humanity? I think humanity is more than just the act of breathing and eating food and just physically being alive. And I think it's experiences and, and what your, your legacy is. And um, there, there's a lot more to it. And um, I don't know, I guess, <laughs> like I said, I, I don't, this is, these are questions I have. I don't have answers to them, but um, you know, hopefully people are, are thinking along those lines and thinking about. Um, but are you like looking for answers? To... Like, I'm, I'm not really sure. Well, I, I, I think all of us are looking for those answers, right? This... I think we would all love to have the answers of um, what is the meaning of life, if that's what the question is, but um, how to live a good life. Like, I think we would all want to have the wisdom of being set in our 70s or 80s or in our later stages of life while we're still relatively young and can impact um, our future uh, to a much larger degree when we have uh, the health and the ability to do so. So um, again, not to be a bummer, but I, I hope anyone who's listening to this is, is maybe giving that some serious thought. It's certainly something that I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks. Um, and it has maybe influenced me in insofar as I want to do more while I have the chance and I'm healthy, I'm not locked in a room and uh, well, unable to take care of myself. Right now. Yeah, go do things, man. You're the master of your own destiny. Absolutely. Listen, this is let's uh, let's make this our, our last segment here. Um, on a positive note, uh, we've started a separate channel, have we not? We have. We have. And the separate channel is going to be a lot more lighthearted, certainly way more lighthearted than today's episode um, <laughs> of Simply Speaking was. But the new channel is called Simply Drinking. And I think it's, it's a pretty straightforward concept. We basically get together and we drink uh, primarily probably beer, but maybe yeah. some other things, maybe some some uh, spirits in the future as well. And John and I are both people who uh, are, are certainly passionate about those things, but we also talk, I think uh, it's, it's a lot more of a lighthearted and kind of hopefully a fun show than this, this show has been certainly this episode, man, I'm going to have to edit so much of this episode out just so people don't <laughs> slip their wrists. This is going to wind up going from being like a, a 45, 50 minute episode down to like a 20 minutes uh you know spectacular there yeah pretty much anyways simply drinking it's uh i don't think we have our first episode posted right as, no as um you know i'm more of a perfectionist when it comes to editing than you i need to work on that yeah uh, but we, it will be up soon and uh as soon as it uh as it drops i will make sure to get it out on our social media um but something that we've talked about a lot in the last few episodes and i really want to reiterate is we want to have a, a, a connection with our audience and you can reach us via email, simply speaking podcasts at gmail.com on our social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Um, but really we, it, we want to hear from you as a listener ideas for future episodes. what do you think about today's episode? Do you have differing opinions? Um, I mean, I, w- I would love to have those kind of conversations with our audience and um, yeah. get audience members on the show at some point. So um, I know we've had a couple of friends of the show on so far as guests, but um, 
that's I mean that's all I have for this week. This is gonna be uh this is not gonna be our best work, I would say. I feel, I feel no, pretty, no pretty confident hey, in that. you know what? But, you know what? You you can't have an A plus show all the time because then that would cheapen the, the, the impact of the A plus shows. Every now and true, then you need true. a B or C team is you know, C episode. And I think this is uh you know, I'm not I'm not saying this is one of our best, but I, I don't think it's are worst and and you know we'll get it out there we're always trying to bring more content out there and um you know uh just doing what we do just having a conversation and seeing where it goes and sometimes it goes into a great amazing direction where we're both like wow that was a great episode afterwards and sometimes it goes down a dark tunnel where i want to just uh drink myself into a stupid well listen if we'll we'll have another episode of our drinking show out hopefully next well, hopefully we'll have the first one out in the next couple of days, and yeah, uh, we'll have that one's already been recorded. We'll have the second episode recorded maybe in, uh, tomorrow if all goes well. So, um, and we certainly look forward to speaking with you, the audience member, on this show in the near future as well. So, um, send us an email. We want to talk to you, and um, have a great week, everyone. Yeah, uh, have a great week. Be safe, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you for listening to Simply Speaking. Again, you can contact us via email at simplyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. And like we mentioned at the end of this episode, we really want to connect with our audience. So we hope you'll just send us a message and tell us what you want to hear or if you have ideas for future episodes or anything that's on your mind. We look forward to speaking with you on a future episode of Simply Speaking.